What is up, people of Pod? Welcome back to Holy Shit Pod, a holy irreverent conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. I'm your favorite host, the host with the most, the supreme pontiff and sovereign of the holy city of Pod, the holy mother. Shut your mouth, Brandon T. Maxwell. Okay, I'm Katie Ricks, the vicar apostolic. So that's like there's no apostolic something like vicar apostolic queen. That can be it. You can be the queen. Okay. All right. I mean, I knew you were, but stated clerk, teaching elder, spiritual director in residence, mother superior, and chaplain of his holiness. No. Are you talking about you? Me, my holiness. I'm not a chaplain of your holiness. But I point back to the Lord. I'm part of the succession. That's why he is his lowercase, because it's Brandon and not the Lord. <laughs> when Peter said, upon his rock, I build my church. Wait, 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 did Peter say that? When Jesus said that about Peter. <laughs> you don't even know who said what. <laughs> Peter was the rock. I'm connected back to Peter. When Peter mm-hmm. said to Jesus, upon this rock, I will build my savior. <laughs> Ah, uh, way to rewrite scripture. I, I'm just saying, you know, I don't believe in all these titles. I'm humble. I'm humble. <laughs> I don't think that's something you can say that you are. Don't people have to say that about you? I'm the most humble person you ever meet. Just let them keep going. Let them keep I'm going. Humble. They'll, 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 they'll learn. They'll see. For I'm themselves. humble. No one more humble than Sam. It's humble. Today, the category is sex worker realness, baby. You asked for it, and so you're going to get it. We're talking about the OnlyFans porn band and how they pulled out at the last minute. Katie's going to be so uncomfortable, y'all. I just can't wait to see it. It's all the things she's too afraid to engage or too afraid to admit to because she does them in late in the midnight hour. Nope. She'd be like Paul and Silas praying late in the midnight hour. You are an ass. It's going to be a great dialogue about sex porn Ooh. and the joys and sorrows of sex work. Wait, did you say they pulled out at the last yeah. <laughs> You wait till later. Have you not read this? Uh, they pulled out game strong. Too strong. What? <sighs> it's going to be a great day. But first, you know the drill. We've got a few church announcements for the good of the congregation. So with that, let's get into it. Literally. So good morning, good morning. Welcome back to the Church of Holy Shit in the Temple for all the saints and the ain'ts. We got a few church announcements for the good of the congregation. So please open your ears, open your hearts, open your bodies and govern yourselves accordingly. The first announcement last Tuesday, the House of Representatives passed a bill to restore a provision of the 1965 Voting Rights Act that was gutted by the Supreme Court in 2013. The House bill is believed to increase the power of both the federal government and racial minorities to block or challenge election rules they find discriminatory. Come through, House. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi's been doing a great job with the House. Um, This week, she's been working really, really hard. She got all the Democrats on board with the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which actually doesn't seem like something anyone should be against, but it's particularly helpful for those of us in the state of Georgia and other places where the state governments have really tried to decimate access to voting for black and brown people. I mean, the other thing she also has been doing this week is kind of navigating this delicate balance between kind of all wings of the Democratic Party as they try to pass this budget reconciliation bill and then also pass the infrastructure bill that was passed by the Senate. And there is this tenuous relationship there, but she's got it going pretty well until about the last two weeks, she's been in a standoff with the conservative Democrat Democratic representative from New Jersey, 
Josh Gottheimer and eight of his closest friends who were trying to take a page out of the Joe Manchin book, which uh, tries to hold the party hostage to focus on their own needs or uh, egos or what have you. And so this has been going on a while, but uh, but in some procedural move that I quite honestly am not entirely clear on what happened, Pelosi was able to maneuver the vote so that all of the Democrats voted for it anyhow. So in the grand scheme of the world, these folks who have been holding the party hostage for the past couple of weeks didn't win anything. And what they did was kind of show some tension and dissension within the Democratic Party at a pretty vulnerable time. So she's doing a great job. And there's a lot of work to do as the Democrats figure out how they're going to lead and how they might decide to lead for the nation as opposed to themselves. I'm here for Nancy. She just need to stay out of them damn Kenta Claus. <laughs> now, even though it's past the House, what do you think about the Senate? I think it's probably going to receive a lot of challenge in the Senate. Mm-hmm. I think you're right, Katie. I don't think it stands a snowball's chance in hell, not just because of all of the Republicans that would be against it, because of crazy dingbat senators like Kristen Sinema and... So you call the names today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Joe Manchin. I've got to call names. These people are insane. So, Sam, were you surprised by this? So, I'm not surprised by this, given that the Supreme Court or SCOTUS gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013. I would imagine that as soon as Democrats were in the majority in the House and the Senate, that they would try their hand at more legislation. The challenge now or the problem now is that the Supreme Court is significantly slanted in conservatives' favor. And so unless there's a restructuring of that court or a shift in the balance of the makeup of the court, I think any legal challenge brought against any new legislation is going to suffer the same fate as decades-old law suffered in 2013. I think you're right. I mean, just last month at the beginning of July, the Supreme Court ruled on a case out of Arizona wherein they said two provisions of an Arizona voting law that restrict how ballots can be cast do not violate the Historic Voting Rights Act that bars regulations that result in racial discrimination. So they're already showing their hand and making it clear that they're going to remain a politicized entity that votes along partisan lines. I mean, the vote in this case was 6-3, broken down along party lines. Samuel Alito delivered the majority opinion. And I don't even know who delivered the minority opinion back in July, but... I believe it was Elena Kagan. It probably was. I love Elena Kagan. That's Katie's favorite Supreme Court justice (laughs) for obvious reasons. I think it's only obvious to a few of us. (laughs) But as y'all have already said, this shit ain't about to pass the Senate. Like, it's already dead in the water before it even gets out of the House, before Nancy Pelosi's ink was dry. The Senate was like, tuh. Our next church announcement comes to you from the nursing ministry of the church. So the nursing ministry wants you to be advised of the following. Two weeks ago on Wednesday, August the 18th, director of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, announced, and quote, we are starting to see evidence of reduced protection against mild and moderate disease. Based on our latest assessment, the current protection against severe disease, hospitalization, and death could diminish in the months ahead, especially among those who are at higher risk or were vaccinated during the earlier phases of the vaccination rollout, end quote. What that mean? And what, what are we considering the earlier stages? So U.S. agencies are preparing to roll out booster shots to all eligible Americans beginning the week of September the 20th. Oh, let me sign up. <laughs> I think it has to be eight months after your second shot. Oh, I got to November. I'm at the end of October. 
I'm right before you. So so what you're saying, Brandon, is vaccinated people, the vaccine is losing some of its efficacy. I've heard it's dropped to 50%. Wait, which one? Which which vaccine? Johnson & Johnson. Duh. <laughs> Pfizer too. I, you no, better hush I, your mouth. You better shut up. Pfizer just got approved. They FDA. Baby. I know, but that doesn't negate the fact that it loses efficacy over time. Oh, I'm just saying it's FDA. I'll drink that shit. So Pfizer's vaccine has been approved by the FDA, like Sam just mentioned. So with these boosters, Rochelle also said that if we get this third shot, it may be the case that we don't have to get boosters annually. Like this may give us immunity in perpetuity. They need to stop saying things like that. Yeah, that they don't know. Like, just just say you need this shit right now. And, you know, in the future, we'll figure out where we're going then. Yeah. But it's like I've said in the past, like the CDC and, and health experts still won't say that you can't contract HIV by providing or receiving oral sex. Even though the chances are slim to none, there still is the smallest chance that you might contract HIV when you're engaging in oral sex. And so if the CDC at this juncture or its director, Rochelle, is saying you may not need another booster after the third one, I'll say that we can bank on that. Oh, well, I appreciate your confidence in that. But I think as we've talked about before, the virus keeps evolving. And so I imagine that we might not know right now what the virus is going to look like in eight months. I agree with Katie. Well, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who happens to be on the board of directors of Pfizer, who, of course, would want the Delta variant to go down, says that he thinks that the peak from the Delta variant is going down in the South, that we've met that peak and we're on the way back down. I will say I haven't seen it completely yet in the resources I look at, but, you know, I'm not a physician, nor do I play one on TV. What do your resources say? They're bouncing a little bit, but they're staying pretty high. They haven't started moving back down yet. Might we call that a plateau? They may have plateaued. I think we'll know more in, in another week or two. What I will say is that out in South Dakota, like the numbers have gone up almost 500%. So like in terms of looking at us in comparison to South Dakota, we're in, in pretty good shape, but we'll wait to see. Uh, the lieutenant governor of Texas said uh, it's because black people won't get vaccinated. They always like to blame us <laughs> for everything. And he didn't like allude to it. He literally said, Democrats want to say it's because of this, it's because of that. Well, most of the Democrats are African-American and they won't get vaccinated. He literally said black people are the reason that Texas is in the condition it's in. He literally said Republicans believe that water is wet Mm-mm-mm. because they have always blamed all their woes on black people and the immigrants who refuse to come in here properly. Did y'all hear about Delta? The variant? That's what we're talking about. No, I know I know you're talking about Delta Airlines. The airlines. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard that they're requiring all of their employees to be vaccinated or pay higher insurance surcharges. And to be crystal clear, we ain't talking about like an extra $5 a month. They are charging an extra $200 per month if they're on the company's insurance. Delta ain't playing with y'all. I mean, I think that's what we talked about before. If if this is going to happen, then the major companies are going to have to take charge. And as much as I hate putting my faith in a corporation, I do think this is the only approach. Like at this juncture, if we want folks to get vaccinated, we got to require it. And doing it in this manner is creative. I don't want to create liabilities for folks or challenges for folks, but I'm here for it at this juncture because Delta ain't about to steal my joy. Speaking of Delta stealing joy and other tomfoolery, we got to talk about this dead gum crate challenge. But before we get to that, 
I got a question. Did y'all's church have nurses? Yes, we have a nurses guild. Come on, nurses guild. Did y'all have a nurses room? Yeah, they have a whole little station. I don't think you have to be a nurse to be on the nurses guild, which is troubling, but yes. <laughs> now, in, in, in my church, you had to be a nurse. My mother was over the nurses ministry. Many of them are nurses, but some of them are not. They just believe in caring for folks. So I'm going to start a doctor's guild and just say that I'm going to care for people too. Why not? <laughs> At the church. Katie, did y'all have nurses in y'all's church? So parish nursing has been in some churches in the Presbyterian church. Bigger churches are allowed to afford that. But that would just be like one part-time person who does stuff. But no, we do not have a nursing guild or a nursing room or anything like that. But y'all put the person on staff if you got somebody, a part-time staff person. I have never worked in a church or actually attended a church where they had a parish nurse, but they exist. See, y'all make everything so damn formal. We be having these titles like the nurse, and y'all be like, the parish nurse. Why you gotta add parish to it? But you just said you have a nursing ministry or a nursing, what did you call it? Guild. Nursing guild. Guild is formal. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Baymanette. We just call it the nursing ministry. No, this 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 is Atlanta. <laughs> oh, Lord. We didn't even call it the nurses ministry. We just called the nurses. Y'all want to go see the nurse? <laughs> My mother was the church nurse. Really, I mean. Are you talking about at Lake Providence? At Lake Providence Missionary Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. That big old mega church. We have a lot of nurses that attend the church, but my mother was the only one that would really get up whenever somebody needed them. Everybody else would be like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. The first lady at the church I used to attend um, was a longtime nurse at Children's here in Atlanta. And it was so funny because, you know, she's always regal and dressed to the nines. But if something happened, like somebody fell out in the back one day, she like got up out of the choir and so eloquently walked down the aisles. And everybody knew it's like, okay, she's going to do her nursing stuff. Right. I just used to love going to the nurse room because they had peanut butter crackers in case you passed out. It was food. It's always food for you. And some jungle juice in case your sugar was low. Child, I love the nurse in the room. What's jungle juice? Katie, what's jungle juice? It sounds like some kind of alcoholic beverage that Tipsy Bartender makes on Facebook, right? I would guess it's some kind of Kool-Aid that has way too much sugar in it. Oh, because he black. (laughs) 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 Oh, Katie, Katie. Is Kool-Aid a black thing? I grew up on Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid with way too much sugar is black. (laughs) Is Kool-Aid a black thing? Katie, you racist. You might as well say (laughs) urban. You might as well say the church was urban. With them urban-ass nurses. <laughs> I literally didn't know Kool-Aid was a black thing because I grew up with it. But carry on. Mask up and vax up. Please, please, please do not let Delta take more of your money on a monthly basis and do not lose your job over this vaccine. It's safe. It is going to heal your body and allow you to run on. Do it now. Do it good. Vax up just like you should. I think everyone who doesn't get vaccinated should be forced to do the crate challenge. That's so stupid. (laughs) I I agree. I think so. Before we go to the next thing, I I did look up Kool-Aid and... I had no idea. So now I feel like I'm enlightened. You looked it up. It says it like in a dictionary or something. That's the whitest thing you could have done. She said, I'm not going to trust. What did you find that it was racist? Is Kool-Aid racist? You Googled is Kool-Aid racist? I wanted to know what it came from. Like what, what my people were. What did the internet say? Please tell us what the white internet said. What did it say? Well, actually somebody linked it to the um, the Jim Jones um, massacre in Guyana. Yeah, it's definitely linked there. That's the, the, the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? 
She couldn't listen to the two black folks on the podcast telling her that it was racist. She said it twice and then went to Google. Brandon, (laughs) I trusted you. I was trying to learn my context. You did your own homework. I appreciate you doing your own homework. That's a lesson for every white listener. Do your own homework. Don't you see I flipped that for you? Mm -hmm. Instead of talking about Jeopardy, we're going to talk about this milk crate challenge. The youth ministry wants you all to know they are sponsoring a crate challenge Saturday because the youth ministry activities have all been canceled due to COVID-19. They have determined that they will do an outdoor activity utilizing the milk crates that have been stored in the back of the church for the last 15 years. If you are unaware of the milk crate challenge, please Google that right now because it's stupid. Y'all have seen the, the crate challenge, right? Yes. You can't even really stand on one by itself and have any kind of stability. Katie's going to do the challenge and record it and send it to me. I am not. (laughs) Come on, Katie. Again, I have trouble walking like on the flat ground. So trying to call on things that are not stable is not a good idea. But I ain't even seen no white people do it. I've only seen black people doing it. Have y'all seen white people? Yeah, I saw a white lady do it. She broke her arm. Like the arm was like bent back or something because she fell off the top crate right on her arm. Send it to me. I got to find it. I don't know. Yeah, so it's definitely white people doing it. I saw a meme that said the government, white people put those milk crates in black neighborhoods. I believe that shit. (laughs) Because no one knows where they came from. They dropped those milk crates off in black neighborhoods. It, It happened just like that. The youth ministry has submitted a very, very special last minute announcement. They want everyone to know that those milk crates that you see on them videos, they stole them from the church because the church has all the milk crates. <laughs> Everybody been trying to figure out where are people getting these milk crates? They stole them from the church because the church got all the milk and all the crates sitting back there because we don't know what to do with them. And so if you have taken a milk crate from the back of the church of holy shit in the temple for all the saints and ain'ts, please bring those milk crates back and stop. Stop climbing over these crates. Say, this is a really stupid challenge. At the end of the day, this is not the time to be climbing on top of milk crates because COVID-19 and hospitals are already all at capacity. And it's mostly now y'all Southerners, Black folks who are doing this milk crate challenge. Please stop. Please stop right now. This is not the time to be climbing on nobody's milk crate. Somebody sent a post or meme that said, before you start climbing the milk crates, make sure you call the hospital and ask them if they have a bed. I'm telling you, they wait until the ICUs get full. Mm -hmm. They drop these milk crates in black neighborhoods. (laughs) And then. I'm telling you, and then I saw saw a meme also, Brandon, in in Stated Clerk, that said, (laughs) you know, uh, these the same people who talk about, I ain't gonna take the vaccine because I don't know what they put in my body. (laughs) But you're gonna climb on the damn milk crate? You can see what that's doing. You can see what that's doing. Your ass wanna stand on top of a crate childish this concludes our church announcements for the week because y'all just ignorant and making me mad we invite you to govern yourselves accordingly stop climbing on milk crates get your vaccine send a letter to your senator and boycott the supreme court <laughs> hey there squirrel friends i've been watching way too much drag race lately but the reverend dr sylvia nutmeg ganache woo <laughs> She got her whole life on the last episode. But that's not the point. If you have an idea for a topic we should discuss during our church announcements, send an email to holyshit at theolapmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also head on over to theolapmedia.com and click on the purple hexagon in the bottom right-hand corner. I believe we are now in the Guinness Book of World Records for the podcast that has said hexagon the maximum number of times in a single show. Hexagon, hexagon, hexagon. Seriously, we want to hear from you. So send us feedback. And with that, let's get into the word of pod for the people of pod. Thanks, Peter Pod. Welcome back, people of pod. For today's word of pod, we are talking about the OnlyFans porn ban. 
In case some of those words are unfamiliar to you, let's start at the top. Well, unless you prefer the bottom. (laughs) OnlyFans is a social media site that has over 100 million users and over 2 million content creators. OnlyFans self-identifies as a social platform revolutionizing creator and fan connections. The site is inclusive of artists and content creators from all genres and allows them to monetize their content while developing authentic relationships with their fan base. And as much as we like honoring how folks self-identify, If you're like me, you had no idea OnlyFans existed until the earliest days of the pandemic Lovato when porn stars turned to the site to begin working. So about a year ago and perhaps a bit before that, OnlyFans became synonymous with one thing, sexually explicit content, also known as porn. So spare me the story about how you found your favorite vegan chef on OnlyFans. We all know you're fibbing. However, in a dramatic turn of events, and just as we were getting used to the sensation of their... Oh, that's the part I was supposed to edit out. (laughs) This is why the world was gagged when OnlyFans announced that effective October the 1st, it would ban all sexually explicit content from the site. Did they learn nothing from Tumblr? Then, in a surprising turn of events, OnlyFans couldn't take the pressure and they pulled out. Days after the planned ban was announced, OnlyFans reversed course and said that it would not, in fact, ban porn from the site. Many sex workers who found a home on OnlyFans remain skeptical and are searching for a place to continue curating content and cultivating their fan base. Did y'all hear about the porn ban? Or did you care about the porn ban? Maybe I should say. I had to do research. So you Googled OnlyFans? What came up? Um, enough to let me know that this was probably going to be one of my least favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never watched any, I've never been to an OnlyFans account or watched anything on OnlyFans. In part because you watch porn. I never said I didn't watch porn. I'm just trying to be very clear. I actually haven't ever done it either because Apple banned it. I couldn't get it. A- You've never watched porn? I never, I never watched it on OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, okay. See, see. So I ain't the only one. In our friend circles and different stuff, whenever times get rough, money get tight, we be like, I'm about to, I'm about to start an OnlyFans. Listen. And listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm about 75 pounds away from starting mine. I told Brandon, this is finna mess with my side hustle money because I was going to start an OnlyFans. But they reversed the band, so you can keep on doing listen. it. Keep on getting your little 75 listen. pounds off and then go ahead and start your OnlyFans. Katie. You better subscribe. <laughs> that is so inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. OnlyFans is not only porn. Your research should have let you know. It's kind of like um, Playboy and say, people go, oh, I read the articles, or they go to Hooters and they say, the wings are good. So, yes, I'm sure that OnlyFans has something. The wings are good at Hooters. They are. Even I love them. But people don't go for the wings. Oh, uh, yeah. Brandon going for the wings. I go for the Damn wings. You're right. I ain't going for the hooters. Some of them hooters don't be hooting. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible. So what I'm saying is I can look up vegan chefs and recipes for free on the web and not have to deal with porn. Yeah, but you don't have to deal with porn if you're going straight to the chef's OnlyFans. I'm not going straight anywhere, but I'm definitely not (laughs) going to be on OnlyFans. Just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Why don't you? I can. (laughs) So the tripped out thing to me here is that OnlyFans has made millions upon millions of dollars off of sexually explicit content. I think even with the, like, the situation with uh, Ron Jeremy. Brandon, do you know who Ron Jeremy is? I don't. You lying mother... (laughs) 
<laughs> Ron Jeremy is like a old school porn star. I mean, when I was like a teenager sneaking, watching porn, uh, Ron Jeremy was big in the industry back then, like in the 90s. Apparently, he was charged with like multiple counts of rape. And like sexual abuse. I think when you start to really dig down into that, people who go into sex work, power brokers in that industry use and leverage the power against people who are trying to break into that industry. Something like OnlyFans come along and it flips that power dynamic. It changes that in such a way um, that gives people their own power to, to produce this work and cut out all of the folks like Ron Jeremy who's who's really using and abusing people. Come through substance. What the fuck? <laughs> no, no tea, no shade. In real life, like I made the assumption that both of you would be resistant to this conversation. So I did all this prep work thinking that I would have to like do the heavier lifting on this episode. But you come in with the facts, with Ron Jeremy references and shit. So to lean in there a little bit more, Ronald Jeremy Hyatt, which is his government name, is an adult film star, right? Who just last week, I think it was last week, he was indicted on like 30 counts of sexual assault. The charges involve at least 12, uh, at least 21 women and girls and span over two decades. Like Ron has appeared in over 2000 porn films since the 1970s and remains one of the biggest names in the industry. And to your point, Sam, I think he, I think he presents us with a very strong real life case study, which highlights some of the challenges associated with sex work, both in the adult film industry and beyond. This is the conversation that I really wanted to lean into today. And Katie, this is where I think some of the stuff we were talking about in our group text will surface. Like this word of pod is more so a conversation about sex work rather than an hour long expose on pornography in the adult film industry. Like, this is the thickest portion of the conversation. We've gotten there really quickly. We didn't really have a lot of foreplay here. We just went straight into it. <laughs> but I do think this is where your comments and our text thread begin to naturally surface. And before we make that turn, I want to be clear that when you were texting me last and in our conversation that is to come, I'm aware that you're not conflating sex work and sexual assault by any means. I just want to front load that and be extremely clear for listeners, right? You're not doing that, right? No, I think it's really hard for me to to um, separate out. I mean, surely there are people who engage in sex work um, consensually. Absolutely. It's hard for me to separate out um, the Ron Jeremy, who I didn't know who he was, but just looked up. It's 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 hard for me to separate that out. I hope you didn't Google his name. <laughs> After looking up OnlyFans and Ron Jeremy, I don't know what, I'm going to have to clear my history. Anyway, um, to pull out, I shouldn't say pull out either. <laughs> it is hard for me to separate um, sex workers who do it consensually versus the sex work that is happening because of uh, sex trafficking or people who are held and forced to do things. And so it's hard for me to separate that out, but I can appreciate what you're saying, Sam. For me, this is grounded in, well, one of the things that this is grounded in is my belief, which, you know, if I'm going to believe these things, I really have to believe them right. Uh, my belief in a person's freedom and right to have agency over their own body. Um, including like a woman's right uh, of choice, whether she wants to carry a child a term or uh, terminate a pregnancy, all of those things. And so if a person decides that they want to engage in sex work, it is their 
right. It is their, um, if that's their desire, that that's how they want to employ their, their body in this life, then they have every right to do so. And I support that the same way that I support anybody else's right to do whatever they choose with their own body. Um, and so rooted in sex work deeply is that fundamental belief for me. Like, leave, let people do what they want to do with their own body. So for you, it sounds like it's more about choice and less about sex itself. Correct. I mean, sex is the choice. Sex is the choice. Choice and agency. Right. Like, you can't believe this stuff halfway. Like, I believe you should have agency and choice unless it's about sex. Don't use your body like that. The question that I've always heard people ask in response to this is like, well, what if somebody wants to make, make a choice to kill somebody? Do they have the right to make that choice? I said your own body. If you want to, I believe in assisted suicide. If you make this choice that I'm struggling with something and I don't want to continue to live in this life and I want to bring my life to an end, however I choose to do that, that is your own choice. Now, you can't go and take somebody else's life. Just like you can't go and force sex upon somebody else, that's right. We have a term for that. And I think that should be criminally prosecuted. Um, but if you choose to engage in sex as a form of work with your own body, I think you have that right. So, Katie, we've had some text exchanges about this as well, right? And you um, very clearly and helpfully talked about the fact that there are other sort of sides to this. There are people who struggle with sex addiction and or porn addiction to the point that they're not able to function. You've also highlighted that there are some individuals who are forced into lives wherein they only have the choice to engage in sex work. Yeah, I don't know if it's sides, though. I think it's just just the complexity of the situation, right? I mean, I think anything that causes you to be um, separated from those you love or, or unable to just be in relationship with people um, and takes your whole focus can become unhealthy. That could be scrolling through Facebook. That could be watching TV. That could be drinking. That can be porn, but porn in and of itself isn't any more causing of addiction than alcohol in and of itself. But there are people who are, are addicted to porn. I've known some folks who have tried to get out of that or to break that addiction. And so I think that just means that, I don't know if, I don't know that it comes with a warning, but I think that it's just everything in moderation or respect. I think I'm more concerned about, like I can appreciate, Sam, you talking about the choice, right? Like, that's great. And maybe honoring sex workers and maybe, like, I don't know if you regulate it. Like, maybe that makes the other parts difficult, but they're, like, the sex trafficking in the in this country and in, in, like, the South specifically is horrendous. And, and so, you have the Jeffrey Epsteins and you have the R. Kellys and you have all of this stuff that's going on that is hurting other people. So I don't think you can talk about just choice without talking about these other things. It, it, it's not a side, it's just complex. Yeah, and I think that's an important element to bring up because that certainly isn't the element that I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who make that conscious choice, either without those influences, even people who will, ha who will say, you know, in spite of all of these things, the things that I've gone through in my life, I've gone to counseling, I've done this, I've done that, and this is what I am choosing. Who am I to stand on any side of the argument and say, oh, no, you're only doing this because X, Y, and Z, and you've been so traumatized. I don't, I don't want to become the very thing that, you know, that I dislike the most, which is people basically controlling you and telling you that your choice isn't the choice that you should make. It isn't what you should be doing. Um, now, again, like you say, Katie, there's some real serious issues like sex trafficking, child trafficking, a lot of things that, that 
we have to address in this country that that should not be lumped together or, or included in some conversations about sex work. Um, because child trafficking, sex trafficking is not sex work in the way that we're talking about it um, in this conversation. Absolutely not. That's what, And that's what I was hearing you say. I think, though, it's hard to talk about it without acknowledging that and saying that it's not, you know, that that you're not talking about the same thing. I think I, I, I see nothing wrong with what you're saying. Um, but I think I just, the part that grasps me so much is people who are controlled in order to engage in some similar activities, but not the same work, right? Um, And so I think that for me is just heavy. Well, let's press in right here a little further because herein lies the tension. So sex is the oldest form of work around. Like it's been around since the beginning of time, literally. There are even sex workers included in the Bible that Christians read. I'm talking about Gomer. I'm talking about Rahab. I'm talking about Mary Magdalene. Now, your translation may call them prostitutes and harlots, but they were sex workers. Why are they sex workers? I didn't come to preach today, but sex work is a 21st century term. Carol Lee, also known as the Scarlet Harlot, is a sex worker, and she actually coined this term in response to religious people's hyperfixation on the term prostitution and how that hyperfixation was politicized to demonize those who engaged in this form of work. So in response, Carol Lee coined this term to highlight that sex work isn't about folks who don't make a choice. Sex work is only about voluntary sexual actions between consenting adults who are both of the legal age and mental faculty to consent to such an action. There is no form of coercion involved in sex work. It's about the exchange of a service. It wasn't until Christian folks, both during and after the Protestant Reformation, started to demonize this type of consensual sexual activity that a stigma came to be associated with prostitution, making necessary the creation of the term sex work so that we could more clearly highlight that engaging in sexual activity for compensation is a legitimate expression of work. And Katie, I don't hear you doing this, so I'm not coming at you. I just want listeners to be able to parse this out for themselves. Because if someone is forcing another person of any age to perform a sexual act, that is not sex work. And for today, we're not here to discuss the folks who got rape fantasies, who intentionally engage in sexual activity that conjures up that image. And if hearing that is a lot for you, just clutch your pearls and keep on moving. I'm not going to stay there long because that ain't the point of today's conversation. And if that is your fantasy, just make sure you got a safe word and continue minding the business that pays you. Moving on. For religious folks, Christian folks, we've got to come to a place of being able to have a discussion about sex work without always invoking child porn and sex trafficking into that conversation. Are those worthwhile conversations to have? Absolutely. But not if and when they prevent conversations about sex work, which is a valid, legitimate expression of work. We have to push past the discomfort we've been conditioned to have with folks using their bodies to make money, whether they be on OnlyFans in the red light district off of Dickinson Road in Nashville or in the Geisha House in Japan. Because honestly, there is a way to regulate the industry in a manner that increases safety and leads to less harm. It's not the absence of regulation that causes the issue. It's when you have these draconian measures wherein the financial backers of OnlyFans say we are shutting this down, do not have any more sexually explicit content on your site, that now those sex workers have to find another venue to safely engage in their work. 
It's our aversion to the conversation and our desire to stigmatize, demonize those who engage in this form of work that prevents the safety that we claim we desire. I mean, and all this really does push to a deeper conversation about sexual ethics, bodies, and holistic understanding of the sex, but I don't know if we got time for that today, and I didn't read them old books that I would need to if we're going to go there. Yeah, and I think it, it, it starts, the conversation starts before even talking about porn, though. I mean, like, I, I don't know, because in my church, um, we're not talking about sex. We're not talking about sexual ethics. We're not talking about bodies. We're not talking about any of those things. And so if you start the conversation there— then once you get to porn, it's a very different conversation. You already have an understanding of, um, a broader understanding of what's what's good and holy and pleasing um, if you need to use uh, God language in that conversation. But I, I do think churches in general need to talk about sex and they need to talk about bodies. Um, otherwise, you end up with people doing all kinds of things hidden, um, which is always dangerous. And I'm not saying you can't be private with your shit. If you don't want to talk about the porn you consume, you ain't got to come on a podcast or get up in front of the church and say, I like to watch. I'm not going to name my favorite porn stars, but I'm, you know, I'm just filling the blank with your favorites (laughs) if you have them. Like, I'm not saying that's what you have to do. I'm merely saying if there's a conversation in your congregation or in your religious community more broadly or just in your like social community, Make sure that you are able to provide the space for that conversation so folks don't walk around here with their heads hanging down as if what they're doing is the worst thing in the world, because that's not where you want somebody. I really think it's important as we talk about like conversations and spaces, those folks who are tasked with leading, especially young people, um, to destigmatize some of these conversations, some of these topics. That we, because it starts like we, we stigmatize them early and because we stigmatize them early, um, they're like, they're like the plague. We stay away from them. We don't go near them. We don't have these conversations in healthy ways. And so it's what Brandon has been saying all along. Like how, how do we, how do we normalize having these conversations in healthy ways so that by the time we get to someone who's, who, who believes they have an addiction with porn, it's something that they actually can talk about without feeling like they are going to be condemned to hell or thrown out of the church or kicked off the youth ministry or, you know, all of these, all of these outcomes that will happen because everyone now sees them as a social leper. But even beyond addiction, Sam, if somebody just wants to say that they enjoy watching porn or enjoy following their favorite stars on OnlyFans, we also have to destigmatize that. Because at the end of the day, as I've already said, sex work is the oldest form of work that's out there. And it's only an issue because Christian folks have tried to make it an issue. If we destigmatize every conversation about sex, about bodies, about sex work, then I think that we'll find ourselves with people who are more faithful. Now, I'm not sure if we resolved anything in this segment today, but this is a shorter word of pot because I want to introduce a new segment that we're going to call the Fellowship Hall or maybe the parking lot. I really don't know yet. We'll figure it out as we go along. But the point of the segment is to hear from you, our listeners. We continue to receive voicemails and emails from people all over the country and we're so appreciative of it and we want to share another email today so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll hear from Lorato out of South Africa and wrap up with our invitations and that is the word of pod for the people of pod thanks be to pod don't go anywhere we'll be back after this 
All right. Welcome back from that quick break. As we prepare to end today's episode, you know, we like to end every week with a few invitations for you, our listeners. But before that, we got a new segment. It's either going to be called the Fellowship Hall or the parking lot. And I think that it may be called both names interchangeably, but just be contingent upon whether or not it's messy or encouraging. (laughs) If it's encouraging, it's the Fellowship Hall. You know, when you be sitting around and everybody eating that uh, greasy fried chicken and green beans and mac and cheese and with potatoes and gravy and the peach pies, you know. I mean, Katie, I don't know what y'all do in the PCUSA. Y'all probably got casseroles and stuff, but we eat like it's Thanksgiving and can't everybody bring something, but that's a different conversation. So if it's encouraging, you know, when you got your fried chicken in your hand in the fellowship hall, then it's going to be just a little fellowship hall message. And if it's messy, like after choir rehearsal, when you go outside and talk about how the minister of music ain't worth a cuss and how she shouldn't be leading that song and how Deacon so-and-so know that he don't need to be doing that to his wife, you know, the messy conversations, that'll be the parking lot. So it's the same segment by two different names. Today's is a fellowship hall. And so I want to share with you all a letter written to us a long time ago by a listener named Lerato Mamadi out of South Africa. I've been sitting on this message for quite some time, waiting to share it. And we wanted to do it in our church anniversary episode, number 25. Go back and listen if you haven't listened already. But we just didn't have the space. So instead, we're going to do it today. If you ever want to send us love, it really does make us smile. Like, it makes me smile. Sam doesn't know how to smile, (laughs) but it makes me smile. He doesn't have to smile if he doesn't want to. And I don't want to. You never want to. Where Do you have the joy of the Lord in your heart? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Woo! That was the black version. Joy, <laughs> joy, joy, joy down in my heart. That was very black. You gotta walk that thing down. Because the white people say, joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Woo! I like your ver- Joy, 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 joy down in... Sing, Sam! We need to remix that, Brandon. We can record I like that. it. Let's Yay. do it. Yay! We're gonna have some studio time on one of these podcasts. Boom. So we actually got a very loving, sweet email from a listener from South Africa whose name is Lerato Mamadi. She sent it after the Lil Nas X episode, so it's a little bit old, but I thought today would be a wonderful day to just share a little bit of it with listeners and with you so that you all know who else is listening from around the world. The email says, good day. Thank you for this podcast. I am a South African 35-year-old bisexual agnostic black woman, and I found your podcast during the frenzied week of Lil Nas X releasing his new song, Montero. During that week, I was going through podcasts to see how people reacted to the music video. I saved your podcast and I did not come around to it until the 28th of April. I was scared to listen because I saw the profile pic of three people with clergy collars and I assumed that you were going to be those type of Christians who claim to be liberal but are actually bigoted. (laughs) My surprise almost had me in tears when I finally listened to the pod. And I got to the bit where Brandon said, she talked about me, the most sacrilegious thing I've ever heard when he described Jesus' descent to hell to defeat the Satan. I've never felt more seen. I'm not religious anymore and I'm uncertain about what and who God is. So I've read and listened to mostly white former evangelist, now agnostic atheist scholars and podcasters. And I still didn't have the words to describe my feelings on my faith or questioning thereof. I still don't. But in listening to your podcast, I've come to find my tribe. After hearing your podcast on Lil Nas X, I went back to your previous ones. I would have cried if I knew how to at your April 19th episode. First of all, can you can you tell us what the April 19th episode was? Oh, God. I knew you was going to ask me that. 
I was hoping you would. I mean, the listeners want to know what she would have cried at. So they can go back and listen and cry too. Yeah. Right. Let, me go, let me go see what this thing is. Do this thing right now. So the April 19th episode was our episode, uh, There's No Vaccine Against Racism. It was the mm. episode for Dante, for George Floyd, for Breonna Taylor. It, it, it was just a reflective episode. So I, I, I think I cried during that recording as well because Sam told me I need to stop crying on these podcasts. Why did I tell you that? I don't know. Toxic masculinity. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) So the last part of her message says, as a South African, last June's protest in your country reminded me of my own country's revolutionary past. It saddens and angers me that my African cousins in America are still going through this unholy shit and that for all the images we see, y'all claim to be so super Christian. And then I get off my high horse and I look at my own country and I actually wept at God's seeming desertion of all black people in the world. I find no hope in your podcast, but I find affirmation that I'm not crazy, that this God I want to believe in must be protested and must relieve themselves of their chains. I have not gotten everything I want to off my chest regarding this podcast. You guys are amazing. And in less than a week, I've listened to every episode of The Mourner's Bench and Holy Shit Pod because all your points of view challenged, resonated, and infuriated me so greatly. May whichever higher power actually exists bless you and renew your minds and comfort you in your journeys. Know that somewhere in a South African suburb, some black lady is praying to a God who she doesn't believe in that you all are well. With love, Lorato. Aww. Lorato, we really appreciate you and thank you for those words. Brandon is horrible. I'm the best person on this podcast. Kate is a white woman that speaks for herself. But we are so grateful for your um, support. I don't know if I've ever felt so seen in an email. I feel like I don't know what we've been doing on these podcasts for the last year. The last line about her praying to a guy she's not even sure she believes in, I'm like, Oh my God, that's me someday. What I love about this is our ability to engage in conversation beyond the three of us, right? So like this conversation that we've had, even back with the Mourner's Bench, has sparked a relationship or a kindred relationship with you and South Africa and with other folks. And I think that's the beauty of this opportunity is that we can wrestle together and trying to figure out what we know, what we believe, what we don't believe. But in the midst of it, where we're creating this global community of authenticity. Absolutely. Lorado, we got to have you on the air. We need to schedule a time now. Do know South Africa is six to seven hours ahead of us. We'll have to work that out. Yes. But we've got to have you on the air. And shit, I need, I need to go back and listen to some of those episodes. I mean, I was there for most of them. <laughs> but uh, I should go back and listen to the great work that our editors have done to put those together. Flattery will get you nowhere. It will get you nowhere. <laughs> Lorato, if you're open to that, let's schedule a time. Sam and Katie love recording early on a Saturday morning. So if you want to record with us. We can get that done. Let us know. And I did see that you sent us another email. I have not read it in full yet, but I promise I will. And we'll get to it in an upcoming episode. And if you want to know what Lorato sent us, you just got to keep on listening. But as we come to the end of another service here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints, I believe that it's time for an invitation. And so with all hearts and minds clear, I invite you to think on these things. And I think I'll get it started today with a little story time. I have a friend who was a prude, like for real, for real prude. Katie? (laughs) Not talking about Katie this time. Um, Obviously, he is talking about me. But I'm not at all this time. I'm just trying to use gender neutral pronouns and whatnot because this person may listen to this episode. This person was a prude. 
And I remember talking to them one time. We were all having a conversation about sex and about bodies. And at that juncture in my life, I think I had just come out, was exploring the fullness of my sexuality and learning what it meant not to have sort of shameful ways of talking about sex and bodies and porn and other things. And I remember this person got extremely uncomfortable and extremely quiet in the conversation. And at some juncture, I just checked in to say, hey, are you good? Are you okay? Because it wasn't just the two of us. It was a group of people. But I remember this particular friend got quiet. And I was like, are you good? Are you okay? And the friend's response was, yeah, I'm fine. I just think that there are better ways to talk about sex. And I said, what are they? And that was met with silence. And we both erupted in laughter because this friend said, I have no idea. I do not know the better ways to talk about it, but I do know that this conversation is making me uncomfortable. I said, oh, you ain't got to, like, we don't have to keep talking about this or we can, like, change the subject or go somewhere else. Like, it's fine. It's good. And so I think I try to just always be aware of the fact that some people do not yet know their best way of talking about sex. And so the invitation is for you to figure out what is your best way for talking about sex? If you're somebody who still believes in abstinence-only education, figure out the best way to talk about that in the 21st century when everybody is horny and Jesus ain't coming back. If your best way to talk about sex is talking about pornography, figure out the best way to do that and figure out a reason behind it, but don't do it because somebody else told you to do it. Don't do it because somebody told you to do it when you was a teenager and you haven't taken a moment to process what that means at this stage in your life. Figure out what it means to have holistic, well-rounded conversations about sex, about bodies, about porn. Figure out what your boundaries are. Don't just say, I'm uncomfortable, but learn the language of saying, what makes me uncomfortable about this is X. And bring that in and show up fully because it's time out for us talking about sex like it ain't a real thing and like we ain't all having it, at least some of us. Yeah, I think um, my invitation is a little different in in, in the spirit of what I've talked about for this whole podcast. It's um, really about respecting um, people's agency and the right for them to make decisions about what to do with their own body. Even, even though some of those may stand at odds with what we've been taught about morality, um, about, you know, holiness. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I think uh, we, we, we have to be careful that we don't try to legislate those things, that we don't try to... Um, that we don't try. What was that about, Brandon? That little hmm. the legislation talking about the church. Um, <laughs> that we don't try to impose. I, I'm, I'm laughing because you said legislation with regard to the church, but right. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> that our goal in life, and some people's goal is just this: that we don't try to impose upon people our standard of like holiness or morality. So for some of us, that is our goal, and because we believe this is right. This is what everyone should be doing. The Bible is right and somebody's wrong. But I, I challenge you to think about that, to think about what it means to give people agency over their own bodies, over what they do to engage in what they consider meaningful work. Ashe, Katie, do you have an invitation? My invitation is when your friends say that this is the topic, that you cut your internet cable so that you do not have... <laughs> Internet. This was not as bad as you thought it was going to be. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I mean, but that might be your boundary, right? 
I'm not for real you. I'm saying if this ain't your conversation, then you ain't got to jump in it. Like, oh, now you want to respect her boundaries. I know. Now, oh, she's, now he's like, oh, well, we didn't Girl, have to have what did I text you last yeah. night? What did I text you last night? I don't recall seeing you don't have to come if you don't want to. That's what I'm talking about, Katie. I love it, Katie. Katie don't read half the shit that I sent her. That's the problem. But then because I didn't say it. All right, good people. Katie, you don't have a real invitation? She don't. Oh, sorry. I, that was my real invitation. You don't have to come up with one. Just- I would have a much easier time having a conversation about this in a room talking than I would on a microphone. And so with everybody clothed, Brandon. So I think I invite folks to engage a conversation that might be uncomfortable and to know where your boundaries are. And um, and that's okay. They don't know we were going to have a discussion about white woman's tears because she was on here crying the other day. I was not. I was just not saying anything. Same thing. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of another service here at the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints. We are so grateful to you for once again hanging out here with us on Holy Shit Pod. One of the things that we love most is connecting with you, our listeners, as you just heard in our new Fellowship Hall or Parking Lot segment. So send an email to holyshit at theolapmedia.com to connect with us, ask a question, submit a discussion topic, or just to say hello. You can also head over to theolapmedia.com, hit that purple hexagon in the bottom right-hand corner, and send us a voice memo. And if you're listening in an Apple podcast or any other podcast app that allows ratings and reviews, please leave us an honest rating and review. And your honesty should always lead you to five stars. That's just another helpful way to send us feedback. And if you're feeling generous, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Media and leave us a little love offering in the basket as it's passed. All right, people of pot, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Until then. Peace.